What's up, everybody? My name is Rob Halen, and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast, the show where we talk about everything related to the career journey within the blockchain, crypto, and Web3 space. Today, we have a great interview. It is with Sarah Howe from Consensus, and she is somebody that has been involved in the talent ecosystem in the crypto landscape, specifically with Ethereum and Consensus, for quite some time, since 2017. So she has seen some ups, some downs, everything in between. And this is a really great conversation talking through scaling a company through good times, through bad times, and learning a lot throughout the process. So if you're interested in that, make sure to stay tuned. Prior to hopping into that interview, if you are looking for a new opportunity within the crypto space, please feel free to reach out to our team at Proof of Talent. I'll put a link below down in the description, as well as if you are Right now, hiring, looking to build out your team within the space, we are happy to have a conversation about how we can help you to find some great talent for your team. So also a link below as well. Now, let's hop into that interview with Sarah. Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to join the Proof of Talent podcast. I really appreciate it. You have been in the space now since, according to LinkedIn, December 2017, which is a few more months professionally than I have, which means you've been in the space now for approximately 40 years. What <laughs> what has it been like watching Consensus grow and, and being a part of that growth at Consensus from December 2017 until now? Yeah, and thanks, Rob. And it's, it's great to be here. I uh, appreciate you inviting me on. Um, yeah, and it will be my six-year anniversary in a couple of weeks here at Consensus. Um, and yeah, crypto math, that's, like, as you said, like 40 years. Um, it's been a, a wild ride. Um, when I joined Consensus, we were very much sort of structured as, you know, these disparate but somewhat slightly connected projects um, uh, that were very siloed. Um, so having watched that evolution over the last six years has been really, really exciting. Um, I started at Consensus on the protocol engineering uh, team and, uh, you know, I'd came, come out of uh, software development consultancy and, and blockchain was really such a buzzword back then. And in my mind, I was trying to understand, is this just sort of a marketing, you know, jargon sort of buzz um, or is this something real? Um, and, you know, interviewing uh, with Consensus, I, I really drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, so joined on the protocol engineering team, definitely a baptism by fire in, into uh, the blockchain space, really kind of hardcore right at the sort of the, the guts uh, of the blockchain. So I had to very quickly trying to understand all the concepts uh, that, that came with that. And my role was really around um, anything people related uh, for the protocol engineering team. So anything from onboarding um, to um, HR business partner support through to hiring, um, uh, you name it, if it related to people, I was involved. Um, my career trajectory at Consensus evolved with the organizational structure. Um, so we um, roughly two years into my tenure at Consensus, we reorganized the business um, and I was then bubbled into the broader people and talent team um, where I very much was playing um, a senior human resources business partner position and um, supporting groups like the protocol engineering team, our Infura um, our team, which is infrastructure, uh, developer infrastructure and tools um, and anything in between. And about two and a half years ago, the chief of people uh, Amanda Kelleher approached me and said, hey, you've got this amazing background in recruitment. Would you consider stepping into the head of talent role? And um, mm. that position had been played, you know, informally over the years, um, but it was more formalized with the new org structure. 
um, we didn't have a real foundation or a universally sort of um, accessible uh, approach to recruitment uh, here at Consensus. So a lot of my work over the last two years has been really foundational, um, you know, building out best practices, understanding the team structure, how we serve the business, how we meet demand with hiring, um, implementing an ATS or applicant tracking system, um, and also doing a lot of training uh, across the business. So it's, it's been a wild ride. Um, it has been absolutely chaotic at times, uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I think coming at such an early stage startup, uh, you really get those opportunities to be sort of very creative um, and to build things from scratch, uh, develop new policies and processes, you know, that uh, that apply to, you know, the context here at Consensus. Um, and, and there's a lot of, um, you know, failing fast, um, but kind of keeping it together uh, as you're failing and, and, and learning from that and, and improving as you move forward. So that's my my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> it's obviously quite, quite the journey. I have not been in this space nearly as long as you guys, but um, Consensus is one of the first companies I heard about in Web3. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very curious, like at what point, you know, what was the company size when you first joined Consensus? Where are you guys at now? And what are some of the, the key lessons you kind of learned along the way when you were scaling? Yeah, when I joined, Consensus would have been circa, I would say around a thousand people back then. I may need to fact check that, but there was a lot of people uh, but it, it, that's a real signal of the time because we were so um, distributed uh, in terms of the projects that we were working on. It, it was sort of hard to understand who was at consensus. And a lot of the times, you know, I'd be at a networking event and I'd be like, where do you work? And they're like, oh, consensus. And I'm like, oh, me too. <laughs> um, so, so it was really, really interesting. Um, where we are today, we're at uh, around 830 people. Um, and, you know, really focusing in on being um, a Web3 software company. Um, and a lot of our products that we have today really speak to that um, strategic direction that we're, we're traveling in. Um, of course, MetaMask uh, is probably our most famous product, um, you know, uh, shortly followed by Infura, um, as well as Linear and our NFT platform. With the amount of change that's happened in the space because things are like wild, whether it's just in the industry from a broad spectrum, but even specifically like Ethereum, since that's where a lot of the consensus focuses on the Ethereum ecosystem. Like how have you just on like a personal level, how have you been able to adjust to the changing like industry landscape as well as like the changing landscape within consensus? Because I think it's gone through its fair share of iterations um, over the past six years, like it, has that been a challenging thing for you, or have you been able to just kind of roll with those just changes of within the industry over time? It's been tumultuous, uh, and I think all of us in Web three can completely agree with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's certainly at consensus we we were you know in a long phase of figuring out what our value proposition was. We we knew we had all these great products, but we really wanted to sort of hone in on exactly what that sweet spot was. And I think over that time, we, we've really been positioned to do that well. Um, and, you know, with the industry flows, the macroeconomic environment, um, it, it is, it's chaotic. Um, and it's not for the faint hearted. Um, I think for me personally, I'm, I'm quite adaptable. And I certainly come to work every day on the mindset of what's going to change today. Uh, I find that personally very exciting. Um, but, I, you know, there are, of course, many people out there that don't find that exciting and, and find that actually really quite stressful. Um, but I think in a large part, you know, um, 
what lowers my anxiety is is the solid communication at consensus. Um, we have monthly town halls where Joe will personally, you know, get up and speak for at least, you know, 20, sometimes 30 minutes, really communicating, um, you know, what his vision is and, and, you know, his sentiments on the market and what's happening. Um, Joe does leave with a lot of uh, optimism um, and I'm a very optimistic person as well. And so I find that extremely reassuring. Um, but I think it really does just come back to that communication. And the other wonderful thing at Consensus is we really do have an open door policy and I know at any time and so does my team, we can go to the senior leaders of the business and, and talk to them about our concerns or um, clarify certain things that may be happening in the market that we just, we want a bit more information on. Um, so, so I do think we do a great job of that. It, it's hard and it's taken a while to get to that place. Um, but, but we certainly, I feel have, we've nailed it now. Um, and so that gives me a lot of reassurance, um, in my day-to-day -day operations here at Consensus. That's, that's honestly beautiful to have a leadership team that's so receptive to people that are, I guess, I wouldn't say below them, but just like not in those positions of just offering your advice, feedback, I guess, how has that contributed towards the growth of just like the people function, the talent team? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that, that in general. Yeah, certainly. We, as to, to the extent that we, we can, we operate with transparency. Um, and, and that really is uh, sort of core to our cultural vibe here at Consensus. Um, and I, I think what that does for employees is, is really just break down that barrier to entry. Um, you know, I've certainly been in companies in the past whereby you don't have that same level of, of trust, um, or, or comfort when it, when it comes to speaking to senior leaders. Um, we do open, uh, you know, a multitude of different opportunities and avenues for, for employees to self-serve what, what might work for me may not work for somebody else. And so, um, we spend a lot of time creating, um, like employee resource groups, for example, where people can join these groups, they opt in and they can go in there and it's a safe space and they can talk about certain things that may be on their mind or certain things that, you know, are exciting or concerning. Um, in addition to the ERGs, we uh, ran a program this year called Consensus Layer Zero um, or, or CLZ. And really what that is, is um, opening up different opportunities and avenues for employees to, to get in touch with, with our senior leaders. Um, for example, as part of the CLZ program, uh, we had an AMA session with our executive leadership team. And they were nervous going in. They were like, oh my goodness, what, what kind of questions? What are we exposing ourselves to here? And, but they felt it was the right thing. And again, leading with that transparency. Uh, and it was a huge success. Uh, you know, the signal from that leadership team, you know, saying, hey, we're going to put ourselves out there and we're going to allow you to ask us anything and we're not going to moderate it. Um, you know, the questions were coming in and, and they would read the questions as they were presented. And I think, again, that just gave that really positive signal to the, the, the broader, you know, employee base around, you can talk to us, you can ask us anything and, and share any, anything that might be on your mind. Um, so I think investing that time in the communication, again, is, is really, really important in terms of building up trust and psychological safety within your organization. Yeah, it's, it's one of the topics I think that comes up pretty significantly when we, when we talk about guess leadership strategies in general or, or success in leadership. And it seems, especially like with the C-suite or the companies that have, it seems like a, you know, a good culture is just that communication from, it doesn't necessarily just need to be the C-suite, but just good communication across the board, not leaving team members in the dark and just being relatively or just totally transparent 
about how things are going and where things are, especially in an industry like this, where it is volatile and depending upon the person that's working in the space, like that can be, I think, especially for a newer person, it can be like a really jarring experience. And if there's not that level of leadership transparency, it's it's scary for a lot of people. So when you provide that, I think it puts a lot of minds at ease and makes things a little bit easier from a from a working standpoint. One thing I'm I'm curious about more maybe on on the talent side is just how things have have changed over the past six years at whether it's specifically within your role or just in the talent community at at consensus at large, but how the the talent landscape or the recruiting process has changed over the past few years for you because I'm sure it's it's a little bit different nowadays than it was in 2017 2018 timeframe. Absolutely. Uh, certainly the earlier challenges for us, um, consensus again, due to the fact that we were sort of these, you know, um, more or less an incubator um, for all these different types of projects. It was very difficult for us to get a foothold on a, a, a brand um, and a brand presence. So I think consensus was a brand, but, you know, attracting candidates in to not just consensus, but to, you know, um, linear or, 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 or to MetaMask, uh, you know, uh, what well, it was challenging. And, um, even two years ago, when I stepped into the role of head of talent, um, we really struggled to get inbound applications. So we had to do a lot of legwork to try and find where these candidates were hiding. And, um, you know, certainly too, the industry was brand new and, and there was a lot of skepticism. Um, people were like, oh, here we go, blockchain, you know, um, is this real? Uh, and, and so we had a lot of battles on that front to really sort of um, overcome. Um, the way things are now... Uh, we're in a very luxurious position here at Consensus. Uh, we've received over 220,000 applications alone this year. So now we have a new problem. And that, that wow. problem is ensuring that we uphold our you know, positive candidate experience and, and get back to everybody um, as quickly as possible. So we've sort of gone from one extreme to the next. Um, and so really what we're focusing in on now is um, we have the quantity, but we need to filter for the quality. Um, so we actually spend uh, probably the lion's share of our week, uh, you know, really going through resumes. Yes, we still, we, we're not using AI for that. Um, we do use sort of top of funnel application questions um, to sort of help encourage candidates to apply to the right role for them to match their skills and experience. Um, but we do spend an exorbitant amount of time um, really getting back to candidates and, and talking to them and engaging with them. Um, I think too, you know, the industry is proving itself out um, and we can see that with, you know, uh, upticks in, in crypto, which is, which is always a positive signal. Um, but, you know, again, I still think there's, you know, for some of the best people and high potential individuals out there, there's still quite a lot of skepticism. And I think for us as an industry, we still have a, more work to do to, to prove our value, to prove our worth, um, to prove that this truly is uh, the future uh, in terms of technology and, and where we're going with that. So. Yeah, that would be my things there. How is it just feasible, or or like I'm really curious since we we certainly get our fair share of inbound applications, but not two hundred ten thousand in a year. <laughs> how does one build a team and structure processes that allow you? Because I'm I'm sure, like you said, that is it's an incredible volume and and sure a huge challenge to to review that volume of, of applications, what, what has been the process like to, to structure things around you know, both finding the, the gems in those applications, but also, like you said, creating a you know, positive experience for 
I'm sure many people that are, are not a fit for those positions as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so essentially the way my team is structured is I do have them dedicated to certain business groups within consensus. So, you know, I have one recruiter focused on MetaMask. I have others focused on marketing or corporate. Um, And what that allows is it allows the recruiter to deeply understand that segment of our business and to create relationships with those hiring managers uh, and leads of that business. Um, We also do a lot of training, uh, a lot of interviewer training, and I can appreciate this isn't accessible to to smaller companies, but um, training can be simple. It can be as easy as, you know, um, an engineer or a CTO um, hopping up uh, on a lunch and learn and explaining exactly what this role is, what we are looking for, why it's important, how this is going to impact, you know, our product roadmap or our bottom line or, uh, you know, ensuring team harmony. Um, And so really deeply understanding what it is we're hiring and why we need it. And then in terms of the filtering, the applications, we do lean on our interviewing teams um, in the business quite heavily um, to support with that. Um, But that's not sustainable when you're getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of applications. So we have also implemented um, top of funnel assessments. And really what that means is when a candidate applies uh, to a job, they hop into our system, um, Greenhouse we use as our ATS. Um, They get an automatic email saying, hey, we're working on it, bear with us. Again, that communication piece. Um, And if we don't get to that application within five days, they get another email saying, give us a bit more time. Um, You know, we're we're a little overwhelmed with a lot of these applications. And so we have that automation going. Um, But we've implemented um, an assessment and we use a product called Vervo, um, which actually is is reasonably reasonably priced, um, certainly for us. Um, And uh, we have all sorts of assessments loaded into that platform. So, um, you know, an engineering uh, role might be, uh, you know, a pair programming exercise, or it might be a problem to solve, or it might be a, a small quiz. A marketing role might be, uh, you know, a social media exercise or, or assessment. Um, and so what we're doing now is we're more or less using that tool to help filter um, and, and to help qualify those candidates and to narrow down our shortlist. And then it does get a little manual. So then our recruiters um, or, or our business groups are going in and, and reviewing all of those qualified resumes. Um, it's not perfect. Um, we're continuing that experiment. Um, but what's really important for us is the human touch. Um, we're fully aware of all the AI tools out there and, and having you know machines uh, review resumes. And, and we're sort of, we really, again, lean into that sort of positive candidate experience. We feel that the human touch is required, um, but it, it does take a lot of work. Um, and we're constantly looking for new ways to adapt and evolve. Um, but that's sort of where we're currently at today. I, I do want to like highlight too your comment on strong branding. Obviously, a lot of what we do at Proof of Talent is working with early stage founders. And for them to attract a founding engineer, um, founding anything, you know, full stack engineer, marketing, they need to have a strong brand, especially in the Web3 ecosystem. And I just want to make sure we like really highlight that as well, too, because that's the foundation of why someone's going to want to join your team. Um, I guess outside of this this massive inbound that you guys are receiving from your from your uh, for applications, what other strategies are you guys using to attract talent? And you're right. It is. It's difficult when you're a smaller startup to. And you know, as I said earlier, we're in a luxurious position now with Consensus. Our, our branding team has done a phenomenal job building that brand. Um, 
in the earlier days at Consensus, that wasn't a luxury that I had. And, you know, what I would do back then is, is really lean on the employees that I had access to within in Consensus. Um, and we used tactics back then. Um, one, one in particular that stands out as an example is um, paired sourcing. And that's a play on paired programming. Um, so myself or a recruiter would, would hop on a call with either one or, or a couple of um, employees and we would prepare uh, Boolean search strings. Um, if you don't know what that is, I mean, it's a very effective, I'm sure a lot of your audience <laughs> knows that. Um, Chat GPT is your best friend um, with Boolean search these days. Um, in fact, we do all of our search strings uh, through, through Chat GPT. Um, and essentially, we would give them those search strings and have them open up their LinkedIn and then run those searches so that we were tapping into their networks. Um, you know, but uh, I think networking is, is a very important activity for any early stage startup to do. You're probably doing that as part of your normal building the business practices anyway. Um, but Web3 is just so incredible in that there are so many events. There's such a warm, welcoming community. And you just have, you know, far easier access than what we certainly had in Web2. Um, so really leaning into that networking. Um, and again, ensuring that your overall experience is is positive. Um, but the other piece here is just absolute clarity on why it's exciting to work for your business. Um we got that really wrong in the early days uh, when I was on the protocol engineering team. And, and I think all of us, you know, uh, had a very different uh, story to tell when it came to our narrative and what we were doing. Of course, we all understood what we were doing, but the way we were selling it wasn't consistent. And so I think really leaning into that clarity around the vision and, and why this is super cool and awesome and um, putting yourself in the shoes of the candidate, you know, why would they want to work with you? Um, so I think answering those key questions is, is critical um, when you're building a business. Going back to some of the iterations uh, of consensus and obviously your participation within those, if if I remember correctly, half of Brooklyn at a certain point in time worked at, not worked at consensus, but everybody in crypto that lived in Brooklyn that I ever met worked at consensus. And, and you had a huge, uh, both, you know, headcount footprint, but also physical footprint uh, within Brooklyn. And now I believe that there is at least a greater percentage of of remote uh, talent within the organization. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, we have employees in forty one countries globally wow. um, as of today. <laughs> so cool. So, <laughs> um, and actually, Rob, to, to be perfectly honest, I think a lot of uh, the Brooklyn vibe, uh, COVID sort of, you know, crushed those those, yeah. those uh, dreams, uh, more or less. Um, and I think, too, we attribute a lot of this to our um, CPO, Amanda Kelleher. You know, she's very hot on let's let's be remote. Let's truly embrace what remote working means and, you know, giving our employees access to those tools that they need to get work done but also creating spaces and opportunities for people to continuously connect. Um, you know, being remote, we're not in the office. We don't have those water cooler chats or those coffee chats or, hey, what are you working on chats? And so we leverage a lot of um, remote working tools. Slack's, of course, uh, one of the big ones. Um, we have coffee bots set up um, on our Slack. And so we get matched, you know, if you opt in, um, you know, you get matched with with people across the business that, that you get to meet and, and hang out with and, and just have those water cooler chats. But um, yeah, the, the footprint footprint has certainly changed. And I, I also used to live in Brooklyn. Um, I took the COVID opportunity to, to move to a warmer climate uh, here in Florida. So um, yeah, it definitely changed. Uh, but what we're finding is by continually 
focusing on that as a problem space and continually sort of thinking around innovative ways and, and what does our future of work look like here at Consensus. Um, you, you know, we, we have that continued focus and we continually adjust and evolve and uh, create those opportunities for employees uh, to remain in touch without having to be in person. But it, it's a challenge. As as a manager, uh, you know, of, of teams and individuals, have you had to change the way you operate from going from you know, an in-person type of environment to in the past few years going remote at this point? Yes, uh, I certainly have. Um, my team is now skewed towards Europe. Um, so the big okay. change for me is having to get up early in the morning and start <laughs> my day quite early. And I'm not a morning person. So that's been quite a tough adjustment. Um, but I think, you know, for me as a leader, you know, making myself available, um, as much as I, I humanly possibly can to my team, um, has been really important. Um, we, we use notion a lot for project management, um, and really keeping our eye on the prize in terms of our goals, um, through notion. Um, and that's sort of an accountability uh, mechanism as well. So when it's, when it's documented, when it's written, we focus on it, it gets done most of the time. Um, and we certainly do, we are quite meeting heavy. I, I will admit that. Um, it is something that I am focusing on in 2024. Um, I don't know about you all or the audience. Um, for me, Zoom fatigue is real. Um, sitting on back-to-back Zooms all day is uh, can be incredibly taxing. So, so we have you on a podcast. Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you know, but it, it's real. Um, and so for me, a really big, big piece of being a leader is, is listening. And I do spend quite a lot of time. I invest quite a lot of time in, in, in um, my one-on-ones with my team. And I do ask them a consistent set of questions. How are you feeling? Do you, you know, do you need time off? Um, how's this meeting working for you? Does that time suit you? Should we mix it up? And so we're constantly listening and adjusting um, how we approach that, but it can be challenging. Yeah. I can't imagine going from having like a, heavily in office, you know, workforce to then having a globally distributed team in 41 countries. Um, Very curious to just discuss like that process, that transition of like the best tips or just like lessons you've learned as to managing a distributed workforce. Setting expectations. I am so crystal clear on my expectations of my team. um, And I, I use tools and and mechanisms to continually, you know, uh, keep an eye on those expectations. And the way I really try and think about my expectations for my team is, you know, what are the expected outcomes? What, What is it that I think that you should be doing or that you want to be doing and how are we tracking to that? And so we use the OKR framework here at Consensus. And I, I also use that in my, my team and, I make that a very collaborative process. I want them to be bought into uh, to my vision um, and to our goals as a team. And I will absolutely, you know, hear them out on certain points and, and we co-create those goals. Um, of course, I'm constantly thinking about the broader business and what we're trying to achieve as consensus, but um, I put so much focus on that. We have um, month, end of month um, OKR check-ins um, as a team. And that's where we sort of go through the list. And that also not only keeps my team members accountable, but it also allows them to flag early if something is creeping, um, you know, or something has become a blocker. And I then give the team an opportunity to sort of problem solve live. Um, and they, they, my team love that. Um, and they love ideation exercises uh, and, and activities like that. 
Um, but I, I think it's super important to be very, very clear on those expectations. And I, I say this all the time to my team, you know, I don't want you working ridiculous hours. Um, but I, I want you, I don't want you either to be just a bum in a seat nine to five. Um, so do what you need to do to get the results. And again, just that really clear sort of results focus um, is, is how I operate. I think culture can be something that is challenging in any organization, but especially in one that's as distributed as, as yours is. I'd love to hear just your maybe high level thoughts on, on culture, whether it's just at, at a company level or if it, you want to take it specifically in regards to the, the talent acquisition process. I would love to just kind of get, get some, some thoughts there as far as, you know, your, your, uh, kind of opinion or, or process around culture specifically within, you know, such a distributed workforce. Absolutely. Culture will happen organically. Um, you, you know, and so I think it is important. And we did a huge program of work here at Consensus where we, articulated that culture and it, it was a culture that had orga- organically you know started to thrive and 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 get out there um and we do pull on the tenets of, of web3 culture i think the most profound piece of work that we did as an organization was um we evaluated and redesigned our core values and so we have five core values and we really focus and we actually have okrs around those values as well and we celebrate the values um I think values, uh, they don't embed overnight. And so we've had to do a lot of sort of peripheral activities in order to get those embedded. Um, but for example, one of our, uh, our core values is we act with kindness. And as I'm sure you can imagine immediately, there are a lot of, you know, wonderful things that you could do with that particular value. Um, we celebrate world kindness day. We have that as a part of our performance review process. Um, you know, what, what values does this person personify at consensus? How did that come to life? Um, we have done, you know, sto- employee stories um, about, you know, specific values and, and how that resonated with them. Um, so again, it, it kind of ties back into that big communication piece. Uh, it is challenging, um, very challenging. Um, but we begin to start exploring those values with candidates. So before anybody even joins consensus, we actually have an entire um, stage of our interview process that is designed to talk about our values. And we're not looking for a values fit. Uh, you know, that I, I think that's really archaic thinking, like, are you a culture fit? Are you a values fit? No, what we're looking for is a culture of uh, values alignment. Um, so, you know, what stage of the journey might this person be on in terms of, you know, aligning to, to our core values? And the other really nice thing about having core values is sometimes they just don't resonate with people. And that's perfectly fine. You can self-select out um, of, of our interview process if you don't want to act with kindness. Um, I, hopefully no one uh, listening is, is sort of on that track, but um, they, they really do help um, keep that focus on the culture and, and keep that culture thriving. Um, and again, that listening piece is, is really key, you know, making sure that people are understanding, uh, you know, those values and, and understanding how that impacts and affects their work and the decisions that they're making here at Consensus. So I, I really... Uh, yeah, I can't recommend the values piece enough. It, it has been game changing for us culturally here at Consensus. I, I love this conversation because you've touched on multiple factors within a business that not only are super important for you know a company of your guys' size, but also for early stage. And lo- looking at values, you know that's a great tool to attract great candidates, great talent. I know you you went into this just 
for me, if I'm looking at another company or if I was right, I like, who am I representing? You know, like who am I working for and, and what impact are they making within this ecosystem? And I think for a lot of us, that's why we're in this space, right. To make an impact. So I just want to say, well, well done to your team on, <laughs> on that side of the house. And, uh, I guess from there, I'd love to transition, right? We're, we're in Q4 of 2024, 2023, sorry. And now is the time for companies to be focused on headcount and planning. I'd love to learn a little bit more about consensus's strategy with headcount planning and how you guys approach that. Yeah, sure. I got to tell you both and everyone in the audience, um, headcount planning has been really challenging in this industry, uh, you know, to go from bull to bear and, and, and to sort of, you know, constantly be, be tweaking and adjusting. And, and certainly from a talent acquisition perspective, in, in previous positions, uh, we could do an annual headcount plan and, and I, I would set my team up and all of my activities around that annual plan. That is not a reality for us in this space right now. Um, what we do, it's, it's a collaboration, of course, between finance, what money, do, what money do we have without impacting our runway, um, our operations team, um, our, you know, product leads are involved. Um, and, and really it's, it's a very, um, labor intensive, um, piece, uh, of work that we do every year. We actually operate on a fiscal calendar. So we do this around sort of June, July time. Um, but essentially we will empower our senior leads of the business to look at their team design and understand, you know, what are the skills gap missing in their, in their human capital and, and what do we need to do to, to change that, to meet our objectives, um, to, to bolster the team, um, to bring in new skills and experiences. And so we really lean on our senior lead, leaders in the business, um, they, they will submit all of their headcount requests um, and that comes into um, a working group um, made up of, you know, myself, um, our senior people partners or HR business partners as they're often known, our chief people officer, our COO, um, our CFO, and we, we look at all of the numbers um, in totality and, and we develop our plan and we understand at that point sort of when we're going to be sequencing these hires. Um, you know, we might have a feature launch here that requires a certain skill set. Well, we've got to hire that person in Q1. Otherwise, we won't be able to achieve that in Q2. Um, so we do have uh, quite lengthy discussions on that. Uh, what we find then is we adjust what we don't find. We absolutely adjust quarterly. And so we take a look at the market conditions. We take a look at success we've had with hiring or failures we've had with hiring. Um, and, and, and then we adjust those plans. Uh, and because things are changing all the time, almost every day. Um, it, it is a really, uh, it's a big challenge, but I like to think of it through sort of your, your team design and your, your capacity to meet your goals um, is, is absolutely key to your headcount planning. And then sort of mapping that to, you know, do we have the money to invest in that? Um, is this the right move for us strategically as an organization? How does that play into our longer term vision and goals? Um, we don't use anything sophisticated for workforce planning here at Consensus. Uh, we actually have a gigantic uh, Google Sheet uh, that we operate out of, um, but we found that that's an effective tool for us. Um, we may explore sort of uh, headcount planning platforms in the future, but for now, uh, we, it's just in a, a scrappy uh, Google Sheet. Um, but it, it can be very complex, um, particularly, again, in this industry. Yeah, it's it's funny because I feel like sometimes I, I get asked, um, both internally and externally, like, what are your plans for the for the future of of the company? And like, what's your super long term vision? And the vast majority of the time, like, I think in three to six month increments, and I can't go beyond that because I have no idea what's going to happen in this industry. And it's way too crazy for me to 
to know what's going to happen and and how to adjust a business around that if i you know, yeah. since we only focus on this like yeah that's that's all you can do is really 3 to 6 month increments sometimes absolutely and and just really quickly again on that i think that's where your team design is critically important because understanding the gaps and in, in skills and experience is is absolutely key and that then allows you to to stack rank right so if there's one critical role that you need to hire to build out your your overall design of your team that's what you start with um and then you you know the next month you sort of think okay well, how are we tracking can we do the next three on the list um and, and we sort of take it from there so we do a lot of heavy prioritization but it's tough it's really tough and sarah how does data play a part in your guys's talent function um and how soon should founders start implementing that within their talent strategy? Data is absolutely key uh, to talent acquisition here at Consensus. I mentioned some numbers around the volumes of applications we're getting in, um, but we really use that as um, a way to sort of ground ourselves in, you know, are we doing well? What can we do more of? What do we need to do less of? And where where are those improvement areas? And so um, we use an applicant tracking system, Greenhouse, which I've mentioned, and that has some pretty sophisticated reporting capabilities. Um, things that I look at, um, I'm particularly interested in uh, our source of hire, like where are people hearing about us? How are they uh, coming to apply to that job? Um, because for me, that means that any of my employer branding activities, you know, do I double down? Do I walk away? What's my return on investment from investing in, in that sort of employer brand activity? Um, and then what I also look at in the data is, is the pipeline health. And so, um, are we consistently seeing that, um, our pipelines are blocked or slowed down at particular stages of interview? Um, we used to do uh, a take-home test, like a, um, a technical challenge, uh, and it was taking candidates upward of 10 days to complete. And that was a massive red flag for me. I'm like, if anything is taking somebody 10 days on average, <laughs> that's an issue. Um, it either means that it's, it's way too complex and, and, and time intensive for the candidate. It means that maybe the, the assessment itself isn't clear. Um, but essentially by looking at that data, that's what sort of gives you the hints as to what might be working or not working um, in your processes. Um, another big piece of data for me is uh, uh, our candidate survey. And so every single candidate that we, we meet at Consensus um, will get this automated survey. And it's a, it was a little nerve wracking because we knew our candidate experience a couple of years, years ago was really not up to par. Um, but you've really got to be bold and you've got to just look at that data and you've got to own it. You've got to own it. Um, because if you don't, and you just try and ignore it, uh, it just gets worse. Um, you know, our glass door reviews years ago were horrific. And I would read that and just think, my goodness, these poor people are just having such a horrid experience with us. Um, we need to own this and we need to address it. And so, you know, data can be very confronting, but it is, it's magic if, if you're, you know, gutsy and, and, and you're willing to take on the feedback. Um, so I, I really, we, we are very data driven um, in the talent team here at Consensus. Um, and look, we don't get it 100% right every single time, but we're usually aware of it when we're not getting it right. And you know, that's a much better conversation to have with an executive when they hear something in the industry. Oh, we heard that such and such happened in this interview, you know, and I'm like, I'm aware of that. And here's what we're doing to address it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think you can start even small data insights, even if you're, you're just a small startup, um, 
just make it, you know, it can even be qualitative. Like, hey, new person that's just joined my team, tell tell me about your interview experience or tell me about your interviewers or, um, you know, how did you think the onboarding process went? Um, so even those little snippets of feedback, um, you can build into a bigger picture and, and use to create solutions to, to improve your processes overall. Yeah, I think that's... That's a great point, and and maybe something we can finish off on here too is is like you had mentioned the the data. It's it's great to collect the data, but I also think a lot of people collect data and don't actually do anything with it. And a couple of different things that you had you know, mentioned specifically is looking at the data and determining, oh, this interview, this this assessment is taking way too long. We should shorten the assessment, or you know, our our feedback on the interview process is is negative. We need to to change that and actually putting things into practice because I feel like there's a lot of times and this, this could be hiring related or not even hiring related, but like, especially now with the amount of technology we have in place, it's very easy to collect data. It's not so easy to actually implement solutions to affect the data in a, in a positive manner. And the fact that you're able to interpret that properly and and make those decisions, I think is like the key to actually being successful, whether it's in a talent process or just in, in anything in, in general here. Um, just to, to finish off, I, I'd love to hear if, you know, over the next like three, six months, if there's anything at consensus or just industry wide that you're really excited about looking forward to, or just kind of like thinking about moving forward as we, as we head into the new year. Absolutely. Uh, one of the really, I suppose, big, challenging, exciting, uh, opportunities that we're looking at is how do we become more web three native in our recruiting process? Um, there's a lot of companies and DAOs out there that are, that are doing some really cool, uh, you know, initiatives around sort of hiring and, and, you know, um, you know, your web three resume and, and things like that. Um, we're actually looking, I, I can't reveal too much, but we're actually looking at through the lens of NFTs and, um, sort of, uh, sort of gamifying, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, our interview process. Um, so that's certainly one way. And. The reason I'm excited about that is because we're, we're really introducing candidates, whether they're Web3 savvy or not, to Web3 and what we're about and, and really sort of bringing to life what we believe in um, throughout that interview process. So watch this space. Um, we'll be launching that next year, hopefully with a bit of uh, a fanfare around it. Um, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of other companies out there doing similar uh, initiatives. But um, I'm really excited about bringing people into the community and on the journey of Web3 and so that's what I'm looking forward to next year. I'm excited for that. That's some alpha. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be special for sure. I haven't seen that implemented. And um, it's going to be a great time as well, too. I mean, kind of reflecting on what we've been seeing in the ecosystem the past couple of weeks, past couple of months, you know, there's definitely more hiring going on. Um, so for if you're a candidate or hiring manager listening right now, it's a great time to really be intentional with, what your plans are for Q1. So, um, but yeah, I just wanted to just want to say thank you, Sarah, for coming on the pod. I know we got to meet in Paris at ECC, um, both spoke on a panel at, at a web three talent fair, shout out to Benoit. And uh, it's, it's cool that we're continuing to build our relationship and, and learn more about your story in the space. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Uh, thank you both for having me.